Warning, this episode might not be suitable for younger listeners due to the nature of the content. So parents, please keep that in mind if there are younger ears nearby. Thank you. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of Governed by God, a biblical look at law, civics, and government. My name is Eric Leupold, and I appreciate you joining me on today's episode. As I'm recording this, it is the middle of June, and this episode should be released still in the month of June. And as you are probably all very much aware, June is LGBTQ plus Pride Month. And so on today's episode, I want to address a couple of topics related to that. Now, my main topic is going to be a review and critique of a recent county commissioners meeting for Bucks County, in which I live. And there's a few things I want to bring up at that meeting. But first, I want to go to our law of the day. Now, today's law is from Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. It reads this. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. So it's a very short law, and it's not the only place in the um, Old Testament, first five books of the Bible, uh, the Pentateuch, if you will, that this law is mentioned. There are other places that uh, homosexual behavior is mentioned and prohibited, along with a list of other sexual sins, if you will. Now, this law sits within a context of an entire section on sexuality in Leviticus chapter 18. And it falls under the overall category of the seventh commandment, which is to not commit adultery. So in that commandment, the purpose of God is to protect marriage, to to fence off or put boundaries around the institution of marriage, which of course God himself instituted way back in the book of Genesis. Now, ever since the fall of man and the entrance of sin into the world, every aspect of humanity has been affected, including marriage. But marriage, though, is the building block of society. And of course, we know later on, God reveals to us in the New Testament that marriage is a picture of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. And so marriage is a picture of that. And a husband is to be the head of his wife as Jesus Christ is the head of his church. So marriage is a very important aspect of society. It is the building block for society because God designed marriage to be the way in which Um, the cultural mandate given to Adam and Eve in the garden to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it, to spread God's glory all throughout the world is to be done through marriage and the um, bearing of children in the institution or under the covenant of marriage. Now, what's interesting about the time of Israel And, of course, there is sin all throughout the land, and Israel is about ready to enter into the land and to purge it of the wicked. But if you look at some of the pagans and what they're doing in the land before Israel enters, is they're engaged in idolatry. Now, almost every form of idolatry involves some kind 
of sexual sin. So, for example, the prohibition against Moloch worship is given in the same context as sexual sins in the uh, Old Testament law. In the same way, prohibitions against um, sacrificing your children alive, a burnt offering, a burnt uh, living sacrifice of children, was also given in the context of these prohibitions on, on sexual sin. Because all of it kind of came together, if you will, under the pagan forms of, of worship. We see a little bit of this with regard to Eli later on, the Eli and his, and his sons, which they engage in cult prostitution, where his sons basically are having sexual relations with those women who are trying to come and to worship the Lord. And God ultimately punishes Eli and Eli's sons for their wickedness. And in the pagan world, there were cult prostitutes, both male and female prostitutes. And part of the idea behind a lot of this pagan worship with, with regards to Malek or Baal or Asherah was that uh, life would come when the rain hit the ground and you have the blossoming of fruits and crops and things like that. So the idea in this pagan worship is that they wanted to recreate or reenact their belief system so that it would lead to rain coming upon the earth and everything being fruitful. So the idea there is that the women would represent the earth, if you will, the mountains, the earth, the hills, the soil, and the high priest or the, the men would represent um, the rain. And I'm sure you can imagine some of the biological aspects in this. And so they would engage in, in sexual behavior as an act of worship at their, at their altars or at their places, their high places and their places of worship. And so there was a close connection uh, in the ancient world between sexual behavior and typically sexual deviance, adultery, child sacrifice, homosexuality, bestiality. All these things were tied together with idolatry, with worship. Now, God places the proper boundaries around marriage, and he separates um, uh, worship from sexuality. There is, there is to be none of that nonsense going on when people come to worship the Lord. In fact, you are unclean if a man has an emission of of semen, and that's in one of the laws of Leviticus. That being said, uh, the whole point of that is that God wants a clear boundary between worship of him and sexual actions or sexual behavior. So, given the context of the pagan nations and their twisting of human sexuality, God provides the proper boundaries of marriage to protect it. And this protects those who are involved, uh, the, the, the adults that are involved, as well as the children that might come from those actions or those behaviors. Because the whole point of it is that sexual sin is not private, as many people today would want to believe or want to suggest. And certainly in Scripture, it was not private. For example, King David, when he sinned with Bathsheba, 
it led to national discipline. Uh, he covered over his one sin by having Uriah, her husband, murdered. And that led to, of course, more sin. And ultimately, this led to civil war within the realm of Israel. And it led to the death of many innocent people as well. We also have the example of Abraham and Abimelech in Genesis chapter 20. Because what happens in the context is that Abraham goes to the land where Abimelech is king of Gerar. And Abraham is worried that the people there are going to look at Sarah, his wife, and they're going to want to, to marry her. And if, you know, they know that Abraham is the husband, they might just kill him. He's afraid that they're just going to kill him and take his wife. So he lies and says that she's his sister. And so the assumption is, oh, okay, she's, she is available for marriage. And so Abimelech decides that he wants to marry her. He's the king. Uh, he likes Abraham. He likes Sarah. He's told that Sarah's just Abraham's sister. Okay, so he goes to uh, take her, if you will. But God comes to Abimelech in a dream. This is verse 3 of chapter 20. And he says, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her. So he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. Verse 6. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So we have here in this section that God would bring judgment upon the king and upon the king's nation if sexual sin is engaged in. So it's not a private matter. And so we as modern 21st century Americans need to, need to understand this, that sexual sin is not just a private issue that happens in the darkness of your own home. There are repercussions, and they might not be seen until, you know, several steps down the road, but they will be seen. So now, going to the issue of homosexuality. In this law of Leviticus 18.22, homosexuality is described as an abomination, and the Hebrew word for that is to'evah, and that, that category is for a unique set of sins. There are certain sins that are abominations. And there are others that are not abominations. So, yes, all sin is sin. That's true. But some sins are abominations versus other sins. So, it's an abomination because it's a complete contradiction to God's design. Not just relationally, spiritually, man and woman together, husband and wife, but also simply biologically. Just think of a lock and a key. You know, it's how it works physically. It's a complete abomination and contrariness to the design of human beings. But it's also idolatry and the result of idolatry. And we see this in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul describes this chain, this downward spiral of idolatry. And it begins in verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven 
against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And it goes on in verse uh, 23. And they exchange the glory of the immortal God for images of mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So there's there's the idolatry there, right? But then see the result of this, verse 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And this continues. This exchanging of truth for a lie leads to more uh, downward spiral. Verse 26. For this reason... God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And then this chain of idolatry continues and it ends at the very bottom to verse 32, where Paul describes this. He says, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So the idea here is they not only do the sins, they celebrate the sins. They they give approval to others who practice them. They, they glory in it. They are prideful about their sin. So, The point of all this is that God's law is very clear regarding the proper role of sexual behavior within the context of marriage as defined between one man and one woman. So how do we apply this law to today? Well, first, within the church, we see that homosexual behavior was punishable by death in Israel. And we see in the church that excommunication is the parallel to the um, capital punishment. So it applies to those who are in living in unrepentant sin, not a changed heart. So those who identify with their sin, who celebrate their sin, who promote and wish to live out their sin in a homosexual lifestyle, those individuals should be placed under church discipline, called to repentance, and if they refuse to repent, need to be excommunicated from the church. But the church is a hospital for sinners. Those who wish to be free from their sin can find healing. They are to distance themselves from sin and draw themselves close to Christ and no longer identify with their sin. They're not slaves of sin if they are servants of Christ, and the church can help them fight their temptations. And, of course, in that regard, those who have a contrite heart and truly desire to want to serve the Lord, the church is not going to reject those those individuals. The church is going to embrace them and draw them near and love on them and care for them. So it depends on whether there's a hard heart or a soft heart. Now, what about within the society? Because there are, are many who would argue that, yeah, homosexual behavior, actions are sins, but that those things shouldn't be punished or made illegal. But it's clear, though, the answer to that is that all nations have laws. Every culture has to have some fence or boundary around sexual activity. And even today, it is completely unacceptable 
to engage in pedophilia or bestiality or incest or rape. Okay, so these things are condemned by our society still, although there are movements, I should say, that are trying to get some of those things less unacceptable, more acceptable, more out in the open. But the point is, is that every nation has to have laws. And God's law provides light and guidance for all nations. The law is not done away with, not in the way that we think. It's been fulfilled in Christ, but God's law still requires obedience. The point is that you cannot obey apart from Christ, but it still serves a function. And there's three functions to the law. It points people to Christ. It shows people who are Christians how to live, but it also brings condemnation to the wicked. It restrains evil. So I want to read one passage here from Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, that makes this very clear to the people of Israel. Here's what it says. See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? So we see here that the law given to Israel was to be an example to the nations around them, to the Babylonians, Egyptians, Syrians, all those groups. They were to see God's people living out God's law, and they were to say, wow, look at that God, look at that law, what a wise law, what an awesome God. I mean, it's clear that the law is not just given for Israel. It is given for the nations. And the Apostle Paul affirms this in his letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. The Apostle Paul says this in verse 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. So Paul is making it very clear. Law is good if it's used properly. It's given for not, not those who are just, those who are in Christ, those who are made alive in Christ, who are new creations. They do the law. They love the Lord. They don't need to be told not to murder people. Like They, they already have the law written on their hearts. But the law is given for the unholy and the profane, the lawless, and the disobedient. It's to restrain them and to condemn them at the same time. And John, in his letters, 1 John 3, verse 4, he describes the same thing. He says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. And he says, sin is lawlessness. And so there's no clearer statement regarding what sin is and its relation to the law. So, any nation that wishes to thrive and to be blessed and to be strong must protect marriage. To embrace or accept abominations is to embrace death. It's simply not wise. Just consider the book of wisdom, book of Proverbs. And there in Proverbs chapter 8, you have 
wisdom, lady wisdom personified. And she, she says this in starting in verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So this is wisdom. Lady Wisdom is speaking um, in the proverb. And she says at the end, all who hate me love death. So you have two choices. You either love death or you love Lady Wisdom. You love God's word. You love wisdom. And either we are leading or producing a culture of life or a culture of death. And homosexual behavior is part of the culture of death. It cannot produce life. It leads to death. It's a reproach to any people, as Proverbs 14, 34 says. And interestingly, those nations in the West, including the United States, that were influenced by Christianity previously punished sins such as adultery and homosexual behavior, previously called sodomy. Now, some might say, well, what you're trying to advocate for is a totalitarian, tyrannical government, like an Islamic government that just executes millions of people. And my response is that's completely unfair and a straw man, because obeying God is not going to turn a nation into militant Islam or into the handmaid's tale or anything like that, because we still, per God's law, require two or three witnesses in order to condemn someone for any crime under God's law. Evidence is needed. Judicial process is needed. The execution of a person was the maximum punishment and not necessarily to be done in every case. It depended on the context. And so the point in all of this is that we still need to put boundaries around marriage. And if we actually follow God's law, we would have a decentralized government that has a very narrow function with the rest of it given over to the church and to the family and to local communities and individuals to be responsible for themselves. And those who were to be brought up on charges, evidence would be required. And a lot of times you would have people getting away with things because God makes it clear, and this is part of English common law and American law, because of the influence of Christianity, that it's better to have guilty or wicked people go free than to have innocent people condemned. God will deal with the wicked, and the role of the government is to punish evil. But even then, it's very limited on how it does it, and so you're not going to end up in this dystopian world. Actually, you get the dystopian world from using man's laws to establish your society. Now, I want to end this section before going to the Bucks County Commissioners by simply saying that it is one thing to refuse to punish sin, but it's another to celebrate it. And Pride Month is sin piled on top of sin. Not only are we as a culture accepting and allowing for abominations to take place, but we are reveling in them. We are celebrating them. We are prideful in them. And what's really disturbing is that we have taken the rainbow, which is the covenant sign given to Noah of God's mercy that he would never flood the earth. It was given after God's judgment upon sin, upon abominations. And so he gives the rainbow as a sign of mercy. But now we have turned, as a culture, 
the rainbow into a symbol of wickedness. And now we flaunt this wickedness in the face of God for all to see. And we raise it up as our banner and as our idol and as our new God. And we do so in the name of pride, which of course, pride itself is a sin for pride goes before the fall. And to have pride and abominations is the worst of all sins. And again, this is a complete fulfillment of Romans chapter 1, verse 32, where those who do those things not only know that those things deserve death, but they give approval to those who practice them. So for us to celebrate Pride Month is simply evil. And it should remind us of Isaiah chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Let me read this section here. It says this, Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes, who say, Let him be quick, let him speed his work, that we may see it. Let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near, and let it come, that we may know it. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Woe to those who are heroes at drinking wine and valiant men and mixing strong drink, who acquit the guilty for a bribe and deprive the innocent of his right. So we in our culture are doing these things. We are calling good evil and evil good. Now it is good to engage in homosexual behavior, or polygamy, or polyamory, or any number of things, transgenderism, but it is evil to declare that there are only two genders, or that uh, marriage is only between one man and one woman. So with that, I want to play for you 10 minutes or so of the Bucks County Commissioner's Meeting. Now, again, like I mentioned before, I live in Bucks County, so... This might not be applicable to you if you're not in Bucks County, although I would say that I, I wonder if your own county leaders are doing similar things. So the context here is that this meeting took place on June 2nd, so a couple weeks ago, and uh, the first 10 minutes is really what I want to focus on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it, uh, give some, some commentary, but I want you to listen carefully to what is being said, listen for the idolatry. Listen for the um, glorification of sin that's clothed in kind of nice language. And I'll stop it and offer some thoughts as we go through. So uh, without further ado, the Bucks County Commissioner's meeting. Thank you. We have several proclamations today, and the first is for Pride Month, and Commissioner Harvey will share that. Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, whereas for more than 50 years, the LGBTQ community has celebrated Pride events within the month of June, and whereas over that half century, Pride observances evolved in size and scope from their beginnings as gay liberation marches in major cities like Philadelphia to the days and weeks-long celebrations we recognize today in communities large and small, and whereas these events promote the visibility and acceptance of LGBTQ people, who have historically been marginalized, ostracized, and abused both here and abroad, at work and at home, in private and in public. And whereas, despite immense and important strides toward equality made in recent decades, violence and discrimination continue to loom in the lives of many in the LGBTQ community. 
And whereas Bucks County is proud to be home to the Borough of New Hope, which has long stood as a haven for those who have ma been made to feel unwelcome elsewhere because of who they are or who they love. And whereas the Rainbow Room in Doylestown and sil similar organizations perform a critical service in supporting LGBTQ plus youth in Bucks County through education and advocacy, and whereas in solidarity with the LGBTQ plus community and in recognition of the months-long pride celebration, the county will fly the pride flag over the administration building courtyard throughout the month of June. Now, therefore, do we, the Bucks County Board of Commissioners, hereby proclaim the month of 2021 as LGBTQ plus pride month throughout the county of Bucks. In doing so, we encourage all Bucks County residents to help us celebrate our friends, family, and neighbors in the LGBTQ plus community and to join us in reaffirming our solidarity with the cause of equality for all marginalized people. So I'm going to pause there and just think of, and I encourage you to think of some of the words that were mentioned there. He talks about the marginalized groups. Now, but again, I mentioned before, in any society, you're going to have those things the society protects, and then you're going to have those things the society pushes to the margins, okay? Because every law does that. All laws draw a line in the sand. And on the one side is acceptable behavior, that which is preserved, protected, and promoted. And on the other side of that law is unacceptable behavior, that which is marginalized and pushed out in order to prevent it from becoming a threat to the society as a whole. Now, in the name of equality, what we've done is we've tried to erase that line and of course, you can't ever fully erase it. Well, I suppose if you do, if you basically say there are no laws against any sexual behavior of any kind, then you do find yourself in a position of anarchy. But very few societies are going to be able to go that far because anarchy or a completely unrestrained, unguided, unboundaried sexual behavior will lead to the destruction of the entire society, the destruction of the family. And there are probably some that think that's a good idea. But um, I think because of the common grace aspect of God's law upon us, that humans kind of recognize that that can't really be done feasibly without lots of pain and suffering happening. So there's always going to be someone in the margin. So like today, uh, the margins still have you know pedophiles and those who engage in incest and the rapists. Those are still pushed to the margins. But Again, there are groups that are advocating for those to be allowed, the margins to move, the, the boundary to be erased even further. So what's happening here, though, is that whereas God's law pushes homosexual behavior to the margins, uh, man's law says, no, that needs to be allowed. To be marginalized is to be uh, dealt an injustice. Now, again, it, the question is, by what standard? How do you measure justice. And I would, of course, argue that God gives us the standard for justice. But here, we are adopting a worldly, man-made um, standard of justice, which is completely contrary to God's law and has, has turned uh, good into evil and evil into good. So again, it's that language of equality, trying to take what was marginalized and to make it equal to that which was always acceptable. And 
that's simply a wicked thing to do and completely contrary to, to God's law and uh, an example of, of idolatry, if you will, and a, and a false God and a false law reigning over our system. So just think about those things. A lot of the language sounds nice and fluffy, you know, oh, there's violence against these people. Well, of course, vigilante violence is bad. It doesn't matter what the person has done. The The only person that bears the sword is the government, and the government is to punish evil. But but what they're saying, though, is that, well, if there, you know, there's still violence today, which I'm not entirely sure what the evidence is for that. If there's been um, actual violence against homosexuals in Bucks County recently, now, perhaps they're going to refer to um, children in schools and, and school bullying, but it's very difficult these days because even words are considered to be violence. So we have a, a blurring of, of real violence, physical harm and damage being conflated with a verbal violence, or even, even disagreeing with someone is an act of violence against that person. So again, this kind of language is being used and we have to be careful to discern what is being said and to see through the flowery, uh, nice language. So let's continue. And here with us today is Priscilla Greystall as well as Mike and Leon, who she will introduce if you'd like to come on up and accept the proclamation. I don't know if you have a few words you'd like to say. Just as a quick commentary, the the two commissioners here, there's three commissioners. One is not here right now. He's at a funeral. But Commissioner Harvey and Commissioner Marseglia. And Harvey was the one that gave the proclamation. But Marseglia is the chair, uh, the chairwoman. And now they're inviting a couple people up uh, to receive the proclamation. I guess it it would be akin to receiving an, an award, but it's not really an award but it's still receiving the proclamation, and, and they're members of the LGBTQ community, and, and she mentioned several times the Rainbow Room, and I'll get to that in a second, but I just want to give you the context of this, and let's listen to what they have to say. We were just up, and we actually raised the flag, and so we're welcoming you inside now to talk a little bit about that. Sure. That's podium, huh? Um, Good morning. My name is Priscilla Gray Stoll, and I'm a resident of Bucks County. I live and work in Perkesey, and I am absolutely delighted to be here. I'm standing in for Marlene Prey, who is the director of the Rainbow Room. I'm a volunteer at the Rainbow Room. Um, Marlene is teaching at Penn today, so she cannot be here, um, but I'm so proud to be here. I want to tell you a little bit about the Rainbow Room, but before I do, I do want to say that since you mentioned New Hope, um, 40 years ago, um, I've lived in Bucks County less than a decade, 40 years ago, I traveled to New Hope many a time with my friends and family to enjoy that wonderful vibe that New Hope gave us that we didn't get where we lived on Long Island. So boy, oh boy, here it is 40 years later, and here I am standing here. Not sure that I can believe that, but yay. The Rainbow Room was opened 20 years ago this month by Marlene and continues to strive as Bucks County Center for Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, 
transgender, queer, and other aligned youth. We provide age-appropriate, queer, inclusive sexuality education, advocacy, and recreation for youth from the ages of 14 to 21 from across the Bucks County area. Our first ever queer prom, thrilling, very wonderful, many of you were there, um, happened last year, and it welcomed over 150 youth from over 57 different school districts. And it was at the extraordinary Mishner Art Museum, and it was quite an event, and we look forward to more. We partner with dozens of community partners, schools, families, organizations, and leaders, and most importantly, young people. We're working for the community, for the schools to be more inclusive, and a world where LGBTQ, um, LGBTQ plus youth are valued, uplifted, protected, celebrated, and loved, and very much loved. Happy Pride. Okay, so uh, there's a lot of feedback there. I confirmed that wasn't my system. That was the um, recording from the from the Facebook uh, recording. I guess uh, the microphone was turned up pretty loud uh, there. So anyways, just some things to reflect on and consider from the statement. So to give a little bit of context as well, the Rainbow Room is in Doylestown, and it's located at Salem United Church of Christ, which doesn't surprise me and shouldn't surprise any of us. And of course, sin begins in the church. And so this church, former church, still calling themselves a church, is now hosting, celebrating, and giving hearty approval and encouraging this kind of behavior, this uh, LGBTQ behavior amongst our youth. Now, what's sad also about this is that Planned Parenthood is the organization that runs the program. The United Church of Christ hosts it, Planned Parenthood runs it. And that's not surprising because they are the high priests of the culture of death, advocating for a right to choose or abortion, or again, the worship of Moloch. And you see the connection between sexual sin and idolatry and child sacrifice. Like, all of it comes together in the culture of death, and that's exactly what was happening in ancient Israel with the worship of Moloch, Baal, and Asherah. And that's why there were laws against incest, bestiality, homosexuality, and idolatry, and human sacrifice all at the same time, because those things tended to go together. And, as you can see in Planned Parenthood, they do. Now, she mentioned already that members from age 14 to 21 can go to this rainbow room. But what I really want you to focus on is the language she used at the end, that she wants the people of the community to feel uh, valued, uplifted, protected, celebrated, and loved. What's interesting is that those things can only be found in Jesus Christ. We have value only because we are image bearers of God. And we get value from Christ's blood being upon us through his sacrifice. We are uplifted 
from death and condemnation through new life in Christ our Lord. We are protected by God and his promises. His presence uh, shelters us. Apart from God, we are not protected. We celebrate, we don't get celebrated, but we celebrate Christ and his kingdom. We don't celebrate ourselves and our own kingdom. And we are loved by God and we love each other. But love is defined by scripture, not by our personal feelings. There is a standard by which love is defined. What does it mean to love your neighbor? Look at the law. That exactly shows you what that means. So these are just a few things to consider as we continue on in the uh, in the presentation here. Morning. Um, I'm a recent college graduate and a 2017 Penridge alum and current Rainbow Room youth. My name is Leon. Um, I haven't lived here, also haven't lived here up to 10 years in Percocet. I originally moved from Arizona and came here, but it's been it's it's been crazy like without the rainbow room honestly no offense to the school district i learned like so much all my sex education everything comes from the rainbow room so it's now i was going to say that that is sad that that is a really sad it, it, it breaks my heart that he says that that all of his sexual education was found at the rainbow room and he has every right to blame the school system, but ultimately to blame his parents. Like, his parents failed, if that is the case. The school system failed. If he is getting all of his sex education at this rainbow room run by Planned Parenthood, that is just sad. Just want to point that out. A really important resource, and my senior uh, capstone project this year was about the importance of uh, queer youth organizations, especially in rural communities. So thank you so much for having um, this pride, for continuing to support the Rainbow Room and other organizations like it, such as Roy G. Biff for younger youth. Um, this, you know, for me, this feels like symbolic. Obviously, you know, I'm one of like four black people in the room. Um, <laughs> uh, every time I go somewhere, I can kind of just count and especially when it comes to the intersection with being queer and being black and being African on my part specifically, it's very difficult. You know, there's a lot of unique challenges um, with that intersection of... I'm going to just jump in here real quick. Now listen to that, the intersection. He's using specific kind of language. He's referring to what we have going on in the culture with what's typically called wokeism or or critical race theory, cultural Marxism, things like that. He's he's using the language of intersectionality, and I want you to see how it it goes right into practice. Class and race that a lot of people, whether they're queer or not, they kind of forget about. And so I want to remind everyone that there is that intersection that it does exist, and it's not just a matter of portraying love and acceptance, but also enacting different policies that reinforce that. And of course, there already are some of those in this county, which I'm very grateful for, and I, and I enjoy living here for that reason. So thank you so much for this. I hope that um, you know all of, all of this also motivates you to go on and spread this message to other people, and that you take it in your heart when you're going and encountering people who are different from you, and that it's not just 
for pride or for for like lesbians or for gay people or trans people, but also for people of all differences. Okay, so pause there. So he mentions intersectionality of class and race. So that is clear uh, cultural Marxism, critical race theory at hard at work. And um, talking about the idea there in the intersection is that since he's part of two oppressed classes, he gets extra, in, in a way, he gets extra points for being extra oppressed. He's both, um, he's both African-American and he is homosexual. So there's that. But also keep in mind there, he said that to take this message into your heart. So again, there's very religious language here to take the idea of Pride Month and inclusion and LGBTQ um, equality, all take that into your heart as you go about interacting with people. So there's the, there's the law from the other God. You know, the false God gives you a false law. False God says, this is good and that is bad. False God says, this is the message that you take with you into the world, a false gospel. And it results in fruit. It results in you interacting with your neighbor, loving your neighbor uh, as defined by the false God. So it's a false gospel, false God with different kind of fruit. So for anyone out there who maybe are a little squirmish when it comes to terms like theonomy or God's law, um, or the idea that God's law should affect the society and should should change the culture and that we should structure our nation in accordance with God's word, what did he just advocate for at the end? A desire for policy changes. So his false God provides a false gospel that leads to false fruit of a different kind of love, but that is going to transform the culture. And he is yearning for, dare I say, a form of theonomy, uh, a form of God's law, his God's law reigning over the culture where policy is changed in accordance with um, LGBTQ uh, equality, critical race theory, cultural Marxism, all those things, this new God is going to invoke this new law over the land and restructure society and change the policies. So that sounds very much, go out there, make disciples of all nations, and baptize them, teach the nations, and conquer the world through this new gospel, this new good news of LGBTQ pride. And so, at the end of the day, you can't avoid theonomy. There's always a god of a system, and there's always a law being produced or being advocated for by that god. And what Leon said there is, it hits all the marks of a, a new religion. And I just wanted you to see that and think about that. Uh, but let's continue to the third speaker here. Hi, my name's Michael Kendrick. I live in New Britain Borough, and I'm extremely involved in Doylestown. Been coming to Pride for years. Uh, I've been with my husband 34 years. We married five years ago, and we were married by Ron Strauss the first week we were allowed to. Um, I was saying last night um, that it was interesting. I lived in Lancaster County, went to New York, Westchester County, came down here, and it's amazing that I can get married now, but I can still be thrown out of my home and my employment. In this state, so we. I'm not entirely sure what law he's referring to that allows for that. Um, again, that, that requires a couple of questions regarding can he actually be thrown? If you own a home, if he bought the home, I don't know any mortgage company that that says that if you're homosexual, you, you can't buy a house. 
Um, he might be talking about renting, but even then, I still don't know of any rental property, or apartment, or condominium, or or multifamily home that he just rents it out, and if uh, he's homosexual, they'll kick him out. So I have not heard of this anything like this happening in Bucks County. But that being said, okay, he's concerned about getting uh, laws, you know, law, the law used against him, but. If that is happening, that's a particularly rare case that's happening. Um, I don't think in our culture today that that would even be acceptable. I mean, if anyone were to find out that a, a landlord was doing that or a mortgage company was doing that, um, I think they would be burned alive. But this also noticed that he has been with his husband for 34 years. And the abusive language there, that's not a husband, okay? However way you want to slice it. Um, 34 years, but married for only five. So this has been going on for a long time. Same-sex marriage is the fruit of the root. The root was going back a long time ago, and now we're seeing the fruit of that uh, play out. Now, I mean, 34 years is a is quite a long time. Uh, let's continue, though. We hope that uh, some of the stuff that the senator was saying last night can be enacted, so we can get be equal in every way. We were See, there you go again. So equal in every way. What does that mean? It's a flowery term. It's so fancy and, and nice, right? Everyone, like, who does not like equality? But the fact is, is that humans are not going to be equal. I mean, we're not equal in intelligence or size, strength, health, um, communication skills. There's so many things in which we are not equal. Now, I imagine what he's referring to is equal with regards to, I mean, I guess maybe rights or equal under the law or equal in being promoted and celebrated. Again, it requires specific uh, fleshing out of what that means. But the term is used so broadly that to disagree with it is to be deemed a mean, hateful person because, you know, what, you're against, you're against equality? What do you want? Inequality? And of course, you know, the emotional side of people wants to say, no, I, I'm all for equality. But again, that language is loaded and there's a lot of baggage that comes with it. And we need to be very careful to figure out what that is referring to. So let's continue. I'm just thrilled that finally we could put up a new progressive flag, much more inclusive. And if you go to uh, Doylestown Pride, you'll see a whole... We have, well, with the pandemic, we weren't sure what we could pull off. Hopefully next year we'll have a big block party and get 5,000 people again. But we have two movies. Check those out. I have drag queens coming to brunch in Genevieve's Kitchen. I have an author that's gay romance, uh, different events. Mark Siegel, who is one of the original Stonewallers, will be on a video with Salem Church. So I hope everybody feels involved and can be involved in checking our site out. And thank you, everybody, for you know, honoring Pride. So there we go. Honoring, think about that, honoring pride. Pride is is taking on this personification, if you will, this this idea of almost like a god. I mean, you don't honor pride, but in, in, in scripture and in our typical language, you honor people. So, you know, we honor the Lord in the things that we do as Christians, but now we're being told to honor pride. So that's, again, very religious language. But also, remember, Keep in mind the public nature of this. It's not enough to be accepted. It needs to be promoted. It needs to be celebrated and approved heartily by those uh, involved. And so what was previously in the margins, in the dark, hidden, is now out in the open. Block parties, 
He wants 5,000 people coming to this block party. Uh, drag queens come into restaurants, Genevieve's Kitchen. We have Drag Queen Story Hour at, at Bucks County Libraries uh, reading to children. Um, they, they, you know, gay romance novels being discussed, promoted, and read by people, movies to be promoted uh, out in the open. So that's what we're seeing here as a result of this idolatry, this downward spiral, and it's leading to more and more um, being out into the open. And those who are opposed to that, namely the Christians, we are the ones that will be pushed to the margins. But you know what? That we should expect that to happen. Jesus Christ said that was going to happen. Um, we are going to be cursed. We're going to be marginalized. We should not be surprised at that. But I just want you to be aware of what is happening and that what you can do about it is to pray, pray for the salvation of each of these individuals. Their hearts have been hardened. They are deceived and being deceived. And they have fallen into idolatry. And they need to hear the message of the gospel, a true gospel, where they are called to repent of their sins and trust in Christ and, and find their identity in him and desire to promote his gospel and to obey his law and to see his law over the land, not the law of a false, a false god. So we need to be praying for these individuals. For our uh, commissioners, those of us in Bucks County, we have every right and every duty to call them to repentance. They are the leaders, these commissioners. They will be held accountable to God because they were in positions of authority. They are members of the civil magistrate, and government, per Romans 13, has been given the sword. It is instituted by God. Uh, the government is to be God's deacon, God's servant in punishing evil and praising the good. But they are doing the opposite. They are, they are not punishing evil and they are praising the evil. And so uh, what they're doing is wrong as leaders and they need to be called to account for that. And so we have, you know, as citizens, we have a duty to, to talk to them, to email them or write them or call them to vote. Uh, devote them out when it comes time for that, to call them to repent and change uh, their ways and to not go down this path of, of embracing wicked policies. Um, so we do have a job to do. We're not going to play the victim card. We're not victims. Um, Jesus Christ was the ultimate victim, but it was part of God's plan. And through that, Jesus conquered and won. So we're not going to play the victim card and whine about our situation. No, we got work to do. We've been we've been lazy. We clearly we see that the United Church of Christ is hosting the Rainbow Room. The church is at fault in this. The church has failed to be the church. The church has failed to um, hold fast to the Word of God and to proclaim God's word through the culture. We've been lazy. We've been sitting back and and enjoying the blessings and this. It is nothing new under the sun. This happened to the nation of Israel. Uh, God blessed them, and they turned to idolatry, became a little lazy, and all of a sudden they find themselves under tyranny and um, oppression. And they called out for God for deliverance, and we should do the same. We need to call out to God and ask God to give our nation repentance, um, the gift of repentance. But again, uh, just keep in mind that Ideas have consequences, and the ideas of LGBTQ pride and critical race theory, cultural Marxism, 
wokeism, if you will, all that has consequences and will lead to changes in policy. And today, or I should say back at this meeting, they raised the flag of pride and spat in the face of God. And those, namely Christians, who oppose them will be denigrated. But the sad part is in all this is that to raise the rainbow flag is to join with Babel. Just consider the people of the Tower of Babel back in Genesis. Babel lifted themselves up in pride after the flood, and they were going to reach heaven themselves and and ignore God, and God humbled them. Now, our culture is trying to rebuild Babel. It's idolatry. We're seeking the kingdom of man, a kingdom where man is God, where heaven on earth is real, but there is no God, an eternal life without the eternal king. And it's really no different than what Adam and Eve wanted. They wanted the life without obedience to God. They wanted the tree without the Lord who put the tree there. And so uh, we need to keep that in mind as we think about uh, these things. So again, if you live in Bucks County, I encourage you to reach out to Commissioner Harvey and Commissioner Marseglia and call them out for what they're doing and and, and just call them to repent and to um, make the right decisions. There's there's actually more that could be said about this meeting. Later on, uh, they'll talk about their diversity officer that they hired last year and that this diversity officer, because you can't see the video, but they're all wearing rainbow uh, ties, uh, neckties. And um, it was the diversity officer who suggested or, or, or handed out neckties for them to wear. So again, you have you know taxpayer dollars uh, paying for this individual who's hired to be the official diversity and inclusivity officer, and his job is to make sure that they're wearing the proper clothing uh, and the proper celebration. It's Again, it's very religious. It's like wearing the proper uh, gear as a priest on the proper feast days. As Christians, we need to see this stuff as religious as it is. We need to see the idolatry. Uh, it's going to be cloaked in different kind of language, scientific language, um, philosophical language. But at the end of the day, it's all religious. There's always a God, there's always a law, and there's always a gospel. It's either going to be the true gospel or a false gospel, works-based gospel, a man-centered gospel, or grace-based gospel and God-centered gospel. So um, anyways, thank you for tuning in on today's episode. It's been a serious one, an important one, and I hope that it gives you many things to think about. But again, we need to stand up against pride, which is a sin and not capitulate to the pressure to celebrate the sin that they want us to celebrate, which is really an abomination. So do you stand with God or do you stand against God? I leave that choice to you. So again, thank you for tuning in. And until next time, take care and...